So in this episode of African Excellence, I'm delighted to introduce you to Nozipo Mbanjo. Nozipo describes herself as a conversation strategist. This woman, her energy is electric. Her presence is amazing. Nozipo pursues excellence, but not just excellence, excellence that shows up well. I love it. Nozipo is a mountain mover. She is so passionate and intuitive almost about that thread that connects what has happened with what will happen and bringing growth out through conversation. I had such fun speaking to Nozipo. You'll enjoy listening. This is Egbe Adeoye. You all know me as Bebe. And as usual, it's hashtag TTA Radio, Talent Talks Africa Radio. I have such an interesting guest today, and I'm going to allow her introduce herself because, you know, we always uh, do a better job, I think, <laughs> <laughs> of saying who we are, um, how we want to be known, mm-hmm. um, rather than someone doing it. So I have such a special guest. I'm going to tell you a bit why I wanted to do this story. I had the opportunity of being in one of her sessions a few weeks ago, I think, and just the quality of her presence and the quality of her connectedness and the quality of her empathy, which made me think about the quality of her humanity and in essence, our collective humanity said to me, people need to hear her story. People need to know who this woman is beyond the many, many, many people who already <laughs> know her in different concepts um, and in different contexts. So, Nospo, welcome. Mm, thank you. Um, what a gracious, gracious introduction. Thank you. And it's heartfelt. It's really meant. Mm. Um, so tell us a bit about yourself. How would you like to be introduced to the, the audience, mm. the TTA Radio audience? Well, I think firstly, as an African mm. and an African woman, and a black African woman in particular. Um, And without being apologetic, a black African woman who is setting a global standard um, about the things that I do. Um, I professionally, I I think of myself as a conversation strategist. I, I, I believe that conversation is the birthplace of action and that there's no action that just mushrooms in a vacuum. It takes uh, some degree of connectedness through conversation for ideas to rub up against each other, for ideas to repel each other, for tension to produce action, for even pain, right? (laughs) Uh, To to lead us into a particular direction and action, right? Mm. So I believe that I'm a conversation strategist who at the core believes that uh, conversation is the birthplace of action. And so all the things that I do really are about bringing uh, the discipline of conversation um, into into change. Um, And I like to refer to my uh, Instagram line thing. I don't know what it's called. And I I say... The strap line. Yes, that little strap line. And I say, I'm not not big on titles, but what I do know is that I help smart people have simple conversations that make the world a better place. Oh, see, that's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so that is what I do, and I do it as a, a moderator of conversations around the world, um, where I'm invited by, whether it's uh, global organizations or um, uh, businesses across the continent, even governments, uh, to carry conversations um, in a way that really connects the conversation to an outcome. Um, and so part of a huge part of my life is is being a moderator and carrying those conversations. Um, but I'm also a broadcaster. 
Um, I, I do television work uh, for CNBC Africa in particular. And my big passion there is about using the discipline of conversation once again to tell the African story mm -hmm. and the African business story in particular. Um, and, and also just to challenge what we understand to be big, big business on the continent, because mm -hmm. I think uh, in markets where the informal economy is always bigger uh, than the formal economy, what is big business really? Yes, yes. I think we might have that definition uh, upside down as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And then the last piece is really just around the, the space where you met me. Mm. Um, I am the CEO of a company called The Talent Firm. And Wait, is that Aquande? Because you know how much I love that, that word, Aquande, and you're going to have to tell us about it when you're done okay. telling us this bit. Okay, so, 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 so the talent firm is an organization that consults to business across the continent, mostly in South Africa, to try and um, be a bridge builder for culture within mm. organizations. The experience of South Africa is that... Um, Black talent almost always finds itself having to operate in white cultured spaces. Yes. Um, and this is where you have the unfortunate statements that bubble to the surface that says black talent doesn't perform um, or black talent job hops um, mm. and doesn't stay. Well, it's very difficult for anyone to stay in a place where they are othered. Yes. Uh, uh, and what we try to do is uh, help the corporates to redesign the way things are done around here mm. and that's almost systems and processes and ways of working mm. so that they actually foster a sense of belonging um, and not in otherness mm. and also but also working with black talent in in coaching formats to say well maybe to a large extent some of the things that make it difficult for us to perform in those spaces are also rooted in, in us, in us mm. and things that have happened to us so mm. how do we revisit the things that have happened to us and in us um, be okay with the fact that we can't change what's happened yeah. but develop the muscle to give it new meaning because it's when we give things new meaning that they either we allow them to liberate us and we allow them to be um, sort of a fuel uh, that that carries us so so that's what we do at the talent firm so the the word that you love aquande yeah which is what is the second company that mm -hmm. I run, is the company that allows me to moderate across okay. the world. Okay. And um, for the benefit of the listeners, uh, I'll share the story again. So Akwande is rooted in the Nguni language. It's a Zulu word and a Kosa word. Mm -hmm. And it means let there be growth, let mm -hmm. there be progression, let there be forward movement. Mm -hmm. And so for me, naming the vehicle that I use to carry the world's big conversations, uh, Aguande was important because it, 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 it gives me the focus to say, we're not going to do a conversation that is not linked to growth, mm -hmm. to forward movement, to progression. Mm -hmm. And every stage that I then get onto um, has to allow me to connect that mm -hmm. to something that moves us forward. So I'm a, I hate sort of performance and talk shops and you know, PR stunts. Mm. Um, and I try my best not to um, bring my voice into that conversation and, and to really be sacred about instilling aguande yes. in, in every conversation yes. that I have. And sometimes it's not about moving organizations. Sometimes it's just about moving people. And that is the work that I sometimes do through uh, being an orchestrator, uh, mm. through Duke University and so on.
Yeah, I love that. There's so much. It, you call yourself a conversation strategist. I, I love the way that you use words. I love the way that, that you use um, um, language as a, as a fellow sort of uh, language lover myself. Mm. I want to talk about African excellence. Uh, I loved how you introduced yourself. Uh, woman, black woman, African black woman. When we talk about African excellence, First of all, it's, um, I think it's a concept that's rising. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure that we believe it. Yeah. I, I'm not sure that we believe it. I think we say it, but I'm not sure that we believe it. How do you confront that, that, mm. that phrasing mm. in the work that you do? You know, you've hit the nail on the head on, you know, with respect to us not believing it first and foremost. I have, my, my, I have had a lot of experiences uh, working on the continent and you know, and, and, and having a, a client say to me, okay, we've heard that you're, you're amazing, we've seen some of your work on YouTube and it's really stunning, but, but maybe we still need to get you to co-host with that lady from CNN, or maybe we need you to... Um, and, and so my, my belief around that is that we, we have to meet people where they are. Mm. Um, and that's sometimes very difficult because it feels like it's the longer route around. Um, and so when those things come up, I, I, I take the opportunity together with the woman or the white man from somewhere in Europe or somewhere in the US, and then on that stage, show them African excellence. Because if we, if we just revert to our corner and say, well, we are not seen, uh, we're not recognized, um, but you then don't forcefully make your way to be seen and to be recognized, well, that narrative is never going to change. Yes. So it's almost like an ongoing experience and an ongoing battle. And one of the things that I am always confident about, whether I'm getting off a global stage or continental stage, is that because you have experienced me, yes. you mm. are a step closer mm. to believing African I excellence. Um, and, and that sometimes means that I need to stomach the discomfort of standing alongside somebody who's not an African just to show mm. that African excellence exists. And the, I think the sad part about it is when I have to do that, and I'll say, I'll use the word performance lightly, when I have to do that comparative performance for an African audience. Yes. Because sometimes it takes even our own to see me I hear you. on a global stage elsewhere and then get that aha. And then get the aha mm. that, ooh, you know, and I do a lot of work, for example, in, in Geneva uh, for a lot of the uh, UN organizations that are based there. But it, it's taken me first having to work in Geneva for um, similar bodies on the continent to see the value of my work. Is it, mm. it, is, is it a good feeling? Absolutely not. But is it worth it in the end? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and I think that this is, the, this is the work that we must do in this generation yeah. when we talk about African excellence, is to break those barriers um, and to do it with grace yeah. and to do it um, um, without blame yeah. and without judgment. So I've listened to you speak, um, even just talking about African excellence, talking about the talent, the talent scout? The talent firm. The talent firm and talking about Akwande. And what's clear to me is you're a person who works from purpose. Mm. And, and how, how does this anchor you? 
this, I love when you said that when you go onto a global stage to moderate, the thing that propels you is the thought of Akwande, the thought that you're saying, let there be growth from this, not mm. just talk shop, mm. you know, talking to mm. sort of posture, but for growth. Mm. In those moments when you're finding yourself having to, again, to use the word lightly, perform <laughs> to prove African excellence, how does purpose mm. keep you there? Mm. So, you know, people always ask me, do you still get nervous when you're on stage? And I always say, absolutely, I do. And I, um, and I, I usually write something at the corner of, of my page, which right now, because um, I would have my notes with me um, that I scribble all, you know, while I'm sitting on stage because the thoughts are coming as I'm sitting there. And it's, it's, a, uh, it, it's, it's a line that comes from a song. Uh, and, and please don't roll your eyes as you listen to this, right? So this is a Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston song. And I, um, I've forgotten the name of the song, but there's a line that says, we've been moving mountains long before we knew we could. Mm. And I always just scribble that at the top of my page. And it, it, what it does is that it reminds me that not only am I spectacularly amazing at what I'm about to do and that I'm going to do it well and I'm going to do it with excellence, but that there have been many others before me who have moved different mountains to allow me the opportunity to be at the peak of this mountain. Um, and so almost as if like the purpose is not only rooted in my capability, but I get a lot of ambition and drive and, and fuel from connecting with the work that others must have done to make this a moment yes. that I can live today. Yeah. And that almost becomes my bigger purpose. Yeah. And I've, I saw a t-shirt the other day and the t-shirt said, um, I am my ancestors' wildest dreams come true. <laughs> and, and I thought, you know, yes. uh, you know, I really, really yes. love that. Yes. And, and that for me is almost just a reminder to say, for those watching me that never had the opportunity to be me because the context and the times that they lived in were so different, how, how do I show up for them mm. as much as I show up for those watching me and still have a long runway in terms of years yes. and can still be and surpass me? And so the purpose almost has a historical leg mm. as much as it has like a future leg in terms of what could this mean for somebody else. Mm. Um, and so I really, really go back to that line and, and as you know, we've been moving mountains Even long before, before we mm. knew we could. Um, yes. And this is why, you know, when you share with me Talent Talks Africa and I'm like, of course. Um, but every now and then, we just need somebody to remind us yes. that actually we've been in the business of excellence for a very long time. Yes, we have been. And this is, this is my passion for, for Talent Talks Radio, as I was saying mm. to you earlier, is reminding us of this excellence, rekindling the passion for excellence that we've had um, and, and in some spaces we've let down. So again, I love the imagery that you use about you know, those that came before and the, the sort of confidence, to, to, to paraphrase your words, that it gives you to stand in this place knowing that they must have stood there before. 
So that's the gift that they've given you. Yeah. How do you hold that custodianship mm. to those who come after you? Mm. Mm. I always say, um, and sometimes, not sometimes, probably more often than not, in complete irritation mm. when I meet um, excellent Africans who show up badly. Mm. Um, and I, I always say, people will remember the experience of you, mm. less so the smartness of you. Um, and I think that's probably where we, we, we drop the ball in terms of that custodianship, where you, we become so centered in what this moment means for you, that you don't take the responsibility for what this moment means for you as a gift yes. that you've been given because you didn't just create this for yourself. And also what this moment could mean for someone else and how do you then carry it in a way that it, 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 it can replicate and amplify for others. Mm. And I get very upset and very, my heart gets heavy when I see excellent Africans who are excellent from a expertise point of view, who are excellent from, you know, what they've been able to achieve, show up badly mm. uh, and have, uh, show up badly from a humanity point of view, show up badly from uh, humility. Ego um, getting in the way. Ego completely, mm sort of getting in the way and then the experience that people have of you is ugly um, and so I think part of that custodianship I think we need to understand as Africans is that it's not just the, the custodianship of what you can do mm. it's also the custodianship of of who you are yes. in that moment um, and the human being that people actually experience of you yeah. because that is that is, I think, actually more important than what you produce. Yes. Who you are is more important than what you produce. And I don't think that we, we often think about the responsibility of who you are yes. as being bigger than the responsibility of what you can produce. Yeah. How you carry yourself matters more than what you actually say on stage. Absolutely. And, and I, as, you, as you were speaking, I had this idea of a footprint, that, that we who are the who hold in custodianship African excellence need to be mindful of the footprint that we're yeah. leaving yeah. On, on the surface of this thing because there's so much history, current and past, that negates this drive for excellence yeah. that um, the more we can be mindful mm. of how we step, yeah. I, th I think the better. And maybe just to add one line to that, baby, because I think this is, this is a real bugbear of mine, is that when you when you when the person that you are lacks humanity lacks humility um it actually eats away at the value of the excellence you've just demonstrated mm. and so to some extent we cannibalize mm, mm, mm. the excellence by not being just good people yes you know in, in, in the process yes. so you actually have to be very mindful that you're actually working almost like with two tanks that you're, you're filling yes. um, and you don't want to fill your tank of expertise by drawing from your tank of humility. humility. I love the way you use language because as you spoke about the two tanks and the expertise and the humility, I was thinking, Nospo is actually describing African excellence as a verb 
and African excellence as a noun. Yeah. And we get it a lot of the time as a noun, the expertise, how we show up, you know, the skills and the capabilities. Mm. We don't always get that it's becoming. Yes. That's the verb, it's yeah. the doing, and yeah. it's what we're doing in the humanity space yeah. that balances it out. So as we, we, we wrap up, I want to ask you, what is your true north? What is the thing that drives you? What is the core of the core of the core mm. that propels you, that energizes you, and mm. that moves you for, forward as you, as you are mm. and as you do? I know that the, the, um, the norm is to have one true north. Mm. Um, and I'm going to just sort of color outside of the lines <laughs> on that one. I think my biggest true north is that I want to be, I want, I want God to look at me and, be, and to be proud of me. As a Christian, I want God to look at me and to be proud of me. Um, and I think to a large extent, that is the, 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 the key Define a guide, guiding light for behavior mm -hmm. um, and, and my behavior in particular. And I don't always get it right, but I always have a very clear litmus test, you know, what would God think, mm -hmm. you know, about this right now? And would God be disappointed or would God be proud of me in this mm -hmm. moment? And that really becomes, I think, my, my true north. Um, and my moral compass um, in terms of, of, of guiding me as I become the person that I'm becoming and the person that I am. But that being said, I've also recently learned, and I think it might have something to do with me losing my mom about two years ago. Um, I recently learned that I have a, my, my second guiding light is definitely my family mm. and my responsibility for family mm. um i think you know I, I love thinking about this in the context of the iceberg and i think you know what is the thing that sits right at the bottom that really mm. just drives mm. the way i think the way i behave the way i engage and so on and i realized that i was given a fantastic gift as a child mm. of having a really strong and solid family. My parents were married for 37 years before wow. my dad, uh, before my mom passed away. Um, and I've, I've come to learn that I, it always comes back down to, will my family be proud <laughs> of this moment? Well, what, would, what would my mother say? What would my father say? Would my family celebrate this with me or would, would my family be ashamed of, yeah. of this? Um, and it's just a very interesting thing because when I, I'm now at that age, 10.35 last week, I'm at that age where I'm now starting to think about my own family and building my own family and actually feeling really slightly overwhelmed and scared about whether I'm going to be able to replicate what I've been gifted with. Because if this is the way it shows up in my life, I, I want to do the same for my own children and, and, and give that to them. And I think... It's just made me so much more in awe of my parents because I now realize how much it must have taken for them to give that unquestionable stability. I mean, my parents used to fight, I think, like all parents. Yeah. But there was never a moment where anybody left. There were, and as children, there was never a moment where we ever had to consider that dad wouldn't be home 
or mom wouldn't be there. That that's, was such a gift. That was such a gift. Mm. Didn't see it. That's a gift. I didn't see it. Mm. And I see it now. Um, and I realize what a grounding moral cement it also became in my life. And I want that for my family. And I want that for my children. Mm. And I think I'm petrified that I'm not 100% sure that I know how to get it right, you know. <laughs> but yeah. So for God, for sure, and family, for sure. Yeah, and and you know, so as as again, as I hear you speak, I I think that these things are conscious. Mm. They're consciously done. I mean, I, I don't imagine that at any point in time your parents were not intentional and conscious mm. about how they they showed up. And so my hope for you and my <laughs> prayer for you is that as you journey into what's next, that um, you continue with the same. I mean, as I said at the start, for those of you who who've been listening all through. Uh, not suppose humanity shines through and it, it's when I say humanity what I mean is her spirit shines through um, in such a gracious way and and it, it's it was an absolute pleasure to sit through a whole day or two days actually of that mm. um, I remember um, Angeles uh, Arias um, I think it's Arias Angeles Arias she writes the fourfold way mm -hmm. and in the story the way about the teacher she tells the story of a man who was kind of a wise man hermit who went up a hill um, to puzzle things out as hermits would do. And you know, people were kind of passively waiting for him to come back. When, when he came back down the mountain eventually, his face was somber mm. and he had clearly seen something yeah. and they were worried about mm. what he had seen. And they said to him, what did you see that made you so, that's made you so petrified? And he said, I've seen the question that the angels will ask me on the last day. Oh my goodness. And then they say to him, what was this question that could make you so petrified? And he said, the question is, why were you not yourself? Oh. Why were you not who you were meant to be? And as we end off this, Nazapo, I'm having known you a little while. I want to celebrate that you shine through as who I think you were meant to be. And my prayer for you is that you continue to shine forth. And so that on that day, <laughs> according to that story, when the angels ask it, you would have made your family proud mm. and you would have made your creator proud mm. as you are able to answer that I have been who I was truly meant, to be. Was truly meant to be. In calling forth growth, mm. in facilitating through courageous, not always easy conversations in looking for that thing that makes us all truly special mm. and in just being a human being, which is a verb even. Yeah. May the road rise up to meet you. Thank you. Thank you, Nasir. I'm honored. Thank you. What a thank privilege. You. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you.